unauthorized opinions expressed on the internet would be censored. We are live. We are live. This is real. Welcome back to Unauthorized Opinions, uopod.com. Like, share, subscribe. It's pure propaganda and it's super cringe, by the way. I literally went to the polls with nothing in mind. I saw a can of orange soda in the parking lot. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, there we go. An unopened can of orange soda just chilling <laughs> in the parking lot. I was like, yeah, I got to vote for Trump, dude. Your podcast sucks it's mental mate it's absolutely mental i'll be honest i thought it was kind of offensive when you talk so much about the loch ness monster political climate and andrew treat yourself okay especially if you start i don't know getting getting in good with homeless people unauthorized opinions streaming everywhere at uopod.com guess who's back back again we're going for sort of a milkman look here today not on purpose just the andrews has had the ufc shirt ufc is a thing and if we have any blueness or i think redness in the mouth today it's basically because i just discovered kool-aid not that i didn't know what it was of course but i saw a pack of 40 on sale on Amazon flavors I'd never heard of. I've heard of Kool-Aid lemonade. I'd heard of the cherry, but have you heard of the tropical fruit punch? Not me. Have you heard of the blue one? The green one? Not me. So we've sort of been cycling through these and now I'm forgetting that this sort of stuff stains your mouth. So on unauthorizedopinions.com, you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Twitter and your course you're watching on rumble. Thank you to anybody listening on Spotify Apple or Google Podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review. Five stars, I assume. You would give an Uber driver five stars. Why not give the driver of your life and politics and sports five stars? And welcome to all the new subscribers on YouTube, on Authorized Opinions YouTube. Things are going well over there. We hope to keep growing. Patreon, of course. Um, Super Chats read on air. But let's get into it. Let's get into the first story of the evening. The NYPD, you know, uh, funding is down. They say crime is down. Crime has been up overall the past few years since the lockdowns. You know, they have a migrant crisis, an illegal immigrant crisis in New York City where there's, you know, there's beating up of cops from some of them. They're running illegal businesses, a lot of prostitution happening. Of course, they're overflowing the old hotels. Who's it's what's it and where's it's we all know the story that's going on in New York City and it's probably not easy to be a New York City policeman these days and you might be asking Andrew what's the solution here I can't tell you the solution other than you know maybe a bit more funding stricter laws maybe they can kick people out of the city maybe start arresting people when they are threatening people on subway lines but what the NYPD has come up with apparently is a dance team. Now, let's, let's reserve our judgment for until we watch the dance. Holy <laughs> Are we are we gonna get copyright struck for this? I mute the song, but flow right Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Um, let's let's all agree that the best thing part is the flow ride a song. Okay, you've got three, six, seven NYBT, NYPD females here. They um, are majority overweight. 
they're going to a flow ride a song from 15 years ago because that's when they were clubbing these girls given their age you know they put the one girl front center she's probably the best dancer overall not great dancing i'm not saying i'm better at dancing not saying i'm in better shape but (laughs) the nypd what are we doing here I mean, is this the the first thing that things <laughs> that women can think of for an outreach program or something that's fun is choreograph a dance? This is what girls do when they're twelve. I was twelve once. I remember the girls in the in the schoolyard choreographing dances. Then then webcams started coming out. They would choreograph their own things. And now that this is basically what TikTok is, but these are women at least, I'm going to say at least 28 to 40 years old. They're NYPD officers of some kind. Maybe they're, maybe they're secretaries. I don't know. They're wearing NYPD and they're having a dance crew. Now, should they not be having fun? Of course they should be having fun, but this is akin to the nurses you know, during COVID lockdowns, dancing in the streets. It's kind of like, why are you doing this job if this is what you want to do? Why were the nurses going from corpse handling during the day, allegedly, to, you know, spending hours upon hours choreographing video shoots and dance things? It's just not a good look. There's certain things when you take up certain jobs that you're going to have to live without. And having a dance crew... That for some reason gets featured on the morning news, picks at eight or whatever it is, picks eleven. This is something you're gonna have to do without. If you're a baseball player, you're gonna have to go without being a stripper. Okay. If you are a stripper, you're gonna have to go without being a school teacher. There are certain <laughs> professions where you're gonna have to go without doing things like being in a dance crew. Let's take a look at what the news had to say about this. Members of NYPD's dance team are busting moves instead of crooks while off duty. From busting crooks to busting moves, we didn't we didn't reach far for the title, did we? There, ABC Seven. We didn't we didn't dig deep for the title. From busting crooks to busting moves, a group of NYPD officers are training their badges while walking the beat for rhythm and choreography when off duty. They are the NYPD's dance team. Like I said, if you want to dance on your off time, that's fine. But you don't get to have an NYPD dance team. This is just not something you get to have. I'm just answering jobs all day. All day. All day out of roll call until it's time to go home. 911 jobs. Is this how we're talking right now? You got a job to do? You got a delivery to do? It's becoming more like Uber Eats as I read. PD dance team president Laura Peg. We need a president of the dance team. We need a vice president. We need a secretary of state. Music is amazing, and when I get to sit here and just listen, even if it's the same song over and over. It's a nice place to be. Everybody here loves to dance. They love being here. This sounds like hell. I'm gonna say. I'm going to go ahead and say that this sounds like hell. You've got a bunch of angry people who are sick of taking your 911 calls per day, every day. Uh, they're calling them jobs. People are homeless. People are allowed to pee in your property. People are pickpocketing. Um, people are dying in the subway station. We're sick of it. <laughs> We're sick of it. And going to a place with a bunch of other angry people and just listening to the same music, the same song over and over and over. They said, "This is better. This is better than doing my job." Make no mistake. Like police work, this is not all fun and games. <laughs> It's a commitment with a rigorous schedule. They practice two to three times a week for two to three hours. And that's coming off a grueling shift patrolling the streets. It could be the longest, hardest day at work. I come here, the girls are always smiling. It's just nice, Pagan said. The dance team was formed in 2022. The NYPD has about four dozen competitive groups. And it's more than just a football club and boxing team. There is even a chess club and a knitting group. So why a dance team? Well, and we all could have predicted this answer. Well, why not a dance team? Why have a dance team? Because the mental health kind of takes a toll while doing this job. NYPD dance team president Autumn Rain Martinez said, We named our daughter Autumn Rain, but we didn't want to spell it just normally like the name Rain. We wanted to give it a little bit of flair. 
Walker at the end with an E. Don't just we're not just actually naming her Fall Rain. Have an outlet to allow people to express themselves creatively. The dance team performs at police versus firefighters games, galas, and even at schools to promote physical and mental health. They're all like, do you get the bad guys, Martinez said? It's so fun. They love to dance. They love learning. And we love teaching it to them. They get so excited when... Some have danced competitively since childhood. Others have no back da- <laughs> dance background at all. Most of them were perfect strangers before joining the team. It's a lesson in teamwork they can use on the streets looking for recruits with the hope of competing perhaps one day if the end fdny is down for a dance-off my god i hope not they say a lot of them don't have any dance training at all gee couldn't figure that one out what is the point though what is the point i guess you could say that what's the point of a baseball team you can you can pretty much superimpose all the things that they say is good for baseball team teamwork exercise all these things but again there's some things you just don't want to have your team doing your police force doing your firefighters doing and i would include that with the stupid calendars firefighters do and i was talking to somebody last night if you were to take a pie chart i was saying you know what if there's a certain amount of blaze in a building and they said firefighters shouldn't go in and my friend said, I say send them in. This is what they signed up for. If we took a look at the pie chart of what a firefighter is doing and how much percentage of that is fighting fires, it's probably about 1%, right? So if we took a pie chart of what the NYPD was doing, you know, when everything's fine and good, dancing can fill that 1%, I think, maybe. But the thing about firefighting is, is the fires rarely ever happen. So you can't really say they're wasting all of their time doing these calendars and all these other things they do these food drives, the, the, the football team, the softball team. If there was an outrageous amount of fires happening and you saw the firefighting team having a dance club, you'd be like, what the hell are you guys doing? My house burned down last week. My grandmother's dead, right? (laughs) So with the NYPD, it's not a great place to live. I think anyone living there right now will tell you that. A police officer was just gang beaten the other day, okay? And then they let the guys out. One of them immediately commits a crime. There's lots of problems in New York. So for them to say, you know, um, I'd rather listen to the same song over and over again rather than do my job, which is answering 911 jobs, it kind of doesn't look good. It doesn't look the best for you to say, my job's some, and dancing crappily is actually a much better use of my time. And I get that they didn't say that, but basically they're saying that why can't I have an embarrassing dance crew probably funded by the NYPD? There, there might be some sort of fund that this comes out of where, you know, you get to do some sort of extracurricular activities and the police union pays for it. But they're saying they're they're showing up at events and, and they're doing their dances at the police versus firefighter games and at Gallus. Nobody wants to see this. No, see this. People might go see a baseball game. People might see uh, go out and see those, you know, firefighter competitions or police shooting competitions. You find me a person who wants to see these forty-year-old women uh, do a somewhat choreographed dance to a Flow Rider song. Let's just do that on a poll. Or is this just the throw them a bone thing? I don't know what I'm complaining about here particularly. I just know lots of crimes. We don't want to see you dance. Just like the COVID stuff, okay? Lots of hospitalized hospitalizations going on. We don't want to see you dancing. That's the juxtaposition that's always going to happen. And I don't think anybody wants to see it. Now, moving on to the military for a moment. And this is the theme as, as I see it happening today. Is a divide here. A divide here in society. Because we're going to get to... Um, this poster came out from the UK Army, it looks like. The British Army. We got the Union Jack there. And it says, sexual harassment, call it out. And the picture is a guy with his hand up. And he's a, a a black and or brown gentleman. He's in a military uniform. He's backed up against a garage. He's got nowhere to go. And a young white woman has her hand on his stomach. 
And, you know, she's doing the classic other arm leaning against the wall behind him, appearing to be hitting on him. And it says, there is no place for bullying, discrimination, or harassment in our army. So it's a sexual harassment disclaimer poster, anti-sexual sexual harassment poster for the military where the small white woman is forcing herself upon the man. And I think it was Lauren Chen who said, yes, this is exactly what sexual harassment looks like, sarcastically, she's saying. Just an epidemic of petite blonde women trying to grope brown men. The British Army really nailed it here. And Peter Lloyd said, now if you don't remember Peter Lloyd, he's the guy who was in arguments, you know, really in the trenches in 2017, arguing with women who said, you know, like, air conditioning is sexist. That's one of the things he used to, the women he would argue against. And his name is Suffragent, right? And he says, but men do experience sexual harassment. And quite frankly, tweet shows the sense of male entitlement that causes it. The gender should be held to the same standard. She responds by saying, show me where I said men don't experience sexual harassment. And he says, you literally said sexual harassment doesn't look like the poster. I say it does. The end. Um, and what I'm going to have to say here is he's wrong. Uh, and, and I get the point that he he's trying to make and that he usually tries to make that says, hey, we have problems. We can't just say this doesn't happen to, to men because it's unfair. But when we take a step back and we get a little less serious with it, the obvious thing here is, is there are differences between the sexes and that sort of stuff doesn't really happen. I was in the army, never heard of it happening, never seeing it happen. Nobody, there was never any stories about it happening. This sort of stuff doesn't happen. And when I say that, I don't mean it never ever happens, but the worst case scenario with this is this is a, this would be a guy who's in a relationship or the woman is gross or something and he just doesn't want it. And he says, no, thank you. That's the implication there with the poster. The, the poster is that like, you know, the, the, the poor immigrants, that sort of thing. That's what England is saying, right? We, we don't really have to take what England's saying that seriously in a situation like this because they're always going to be wrong, frankly. England is saying uh, these the, these poor uh, persons of color, I hate that term, but are, are under attack from white women, and that's what England's saying. Let's throw that aside because nobody wants to deal with that. It's stupid. But what Lauren is saying is the obvious thing, right? The implication of a man sexually harassing a woman is that he can physically, you know, overtake her. There's a threat there. There's a threat that the woman doesn't want any of this. And if things go bad, then she's in trouble, right? That's why we teach women self-defense and all these other things. And we want them to have a second amendment. The other way around in a situation like this poster, you've got an unwanted sexual advance from a woman. Maybe she's a superior or whatever it may be. Maybe she's burly. You just say, um, ew, no thank you, or something to that regard, or right, no thanks. And then the woman can't really physically impose themselves on you. And if you're going to say, well, they could use their authority over you, etc., etc., they could get you in trouble, well, that could be done without actually sexually harassing you. They could just do that if they wanted to. They could say you're causing trouble in some way. It doesn't have to be that. Whereas the other way around, it's the man's physical force that is the problem and the underlying problem in here in a situation like this. And when Peter Lloyd says the gender should be held to the same standard, I'm pretty sure that's not what anyone is fighting for, right? We're fighting for fairness. So when something like this happens, the, the immediate thing to do is not say, well, poor us men, there is a, a place here and maybe they don't have it in England. Yeah. I'm making enemies today. Maybe they don't have it in England where a man's just like able to brush something off. Maybe that's mean. Maybe that's too mean in England. But when you say that gender should be held to the same standard, actually, no, they shouldn't be just like women. And we're going to get into this just like women have a shorter three point line because men are taller and faster and stronger. Women and men are not to be held to the same standard. So we're, I think we're kind of suspending reality here when we say um, sexual harassment doesn't look like, like the poster. And he says, I say it does. It doesn't. We all know that it does. We understand your point that we shouldn't just brush men's problems under the rug. We understand the point that a man can, uh, a man can be abused by a female in power should she so choose to. But in terms of sexual harassment, it is vastly different. And if you're not willing to admit that, I think you're 
taking yourself way too seriously. It's almost like you're taking the argument to the 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 most illogical endpoint just so that you can win it, right? If a woman says she's just as strong as a man and you're just like, no, she's, she's not. And she's like, yes, I am. And you go and you both bench, uh, you know, 150 pounds and she can't do it and the man can. And you just laugh in her face and you're just like, you thought this. What, let's bring all these women into this competition so we can crush them. There is a difference. And, you know, just because you want to pretend or uh, patronize the woman and bring her into this situation where you know she's wrong and you know it's going to be going to blow up in her face. This doesn't this doesn't make you a cool guy. This doesn't make you a big winner. This is a lose-lose situation. Actually, men are just as sexually harassed. And there was responses to me on this. I said it doesn't happen. Not literally do I think it does not ever happen, but I said it doesn't happen. And then there's responses that say, "Oh, actually, I worked with some people that said it happened." Yeah, they said it happened. So just like I don't have to hashtag believe all women, I'm not going to hashtag believe all men that said uh, the woman overpowered him and sexually harassed him and it mentally affected him. And now he's afraid to go to work. And now he's, you know, traumatized. He won't walk down any alleys anywhere. So so on and forth. So forth. Spare me the englishness shall i say when we're going up and we're saying you know young lady you're actually wrong this uh this situation is correct let's call out the most obscure instance for this example which is a a woman hitting on a man and it being sexual harassment let's make that that's what he's arguing for is that we should make the poster the anomaly in the situation situation i disagree with that i think he he's got he's had a lot of good points i'd be willing to argue with him about this but her, for him to say the poster literally looks like sexual harassment it doesn't at least 99 percent of the time just as if a poster if you type in a uh, slam dunk poster 99 percent of the time it's going to be a man and then britney griner is going to be coming in at the end and putting her gangly talon into the buck. You know what I'm saying? I just think it's not the, um, it's not the battle you should be fighting. Are you technically correct? Does it technically happen? Yes. But are you proving any sort of point by saying, let's hold men and women to the same standard? No, I think you're doing the opposite. I think you are imparting something on women that you don't actually want to impart on them for the sake of winning an argument. Women are not actually as fast as men. And then he says, yeah, well, we're going to put them in the same race and take that, women, once once we crush you, take that, okay? We proved it to you. It, it's very, it, it's a strange position to take, and I don't think he's right for that. But I, I made the comparison to basketball because what happened last night at the NBA All-Star Weekend was... They had this little three-point competition. Every year they have a three-point competition. And this year they had a special one in addition to the regular one where Steph Curry, who I believe has the most three-pointers of all time, he went up against a woman named um, Sabrina Ionescu, which I believe is a Romanian name, if I'm not mistaken, ladies and gentlemen. But Sabrina and um, Steph Curry had a three-point competition. And it was a little bit misleading by the NBA because what they did is they had them shoot from the same distance. So visually looks the same, but actually the female shot with a smaller ball. Now she had done this competition. I don't know where the WNBA maybe or on her own or on a video somewhere. And she had broken Steph Curry's record. So they had them go head to head and um, she had 26. He had 29, I believe. And 26 was actually the score that most men had on the same night in the three-point competition. So she did very well. But afterwards, one of the announcers dared to say that she should have shot from the the women's three-point mark. Uh, I, I think she should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still lose for Sabrina. 
I still root for Sabrina. We all are rooting for Sabrina. No. This is not so, what are you she shot about? from the three-point line at the women's shoot front. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? <laughs> Why are you putting those boundaries on her? We'll get to that more in a second. She That's what the game is. She wanted to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She shot a WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA yeah, ball. She, she, she shot from the line. It, it, there's it, a women's team. tee in golf and there's a men's tee. For a reason. No. She a shooter shoot. Is that what you said? Yeah, but they shoot from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina. Good job, shot. Sabrina. No, but, but don't let right. any man put boundaries on you like him. Uh, oh him my god. Don't let him put boundaries on you. Give him a regular ball then. <laughs> it's not fair. Exactly. So you hear, I think that was Reggie Miller in the background saying, don't put boundaries on her. That was the NBA's point of view. Obviously, the NBA pays for the WNBA and they want to make them look good. So they put this girl on to face Steph Curry. She gets pretty close. Looks good for them. I don't blame her one sec for one minute for doing this and taking part in this competition. But what the NBA wants is to lie to you, and they're going to do it at the girl's expense. Because all the NBA cares about is their image, right? So we're going to say we're going to bring this girl in, and we're going to make her look good so that we feel good about ourselves. That's the... Um, that's the message they're sending out there. And they've got Reggie Miller, I think, being the one saying, don't put any bound boundaries on her. You can't limit this woman. She's going to break that glass ceiling with a three-pointer. But what actually happened is, is they, they kind of lied to you. And Kenny Smith, who's a former NBA player, wanted you to know that she had an advantage. And he would have liked to see her have... The true advantage, because what the NBA is doing is lying to you. They're they're saying, we're going to do the visual of her shooting from the same distance as him, but the naked with the naked eye, you're not going to be able to tell that her ball that she's using is smaller because nobody's going to just notice it when she's by herself. And only a keen eye or somebody who's there or somebody points it out, that's the only way you're going to know. So they want the visual of it all looking like it's even while still giving her an advantage. And Kenny Smith is right in a sense when he says, if she's going to use the smaller ball, then have her shoot from the women's three-point line. That way, you know, the, the stakes are even. He's admitting, he's telling the audience that there is a difference between men and women and that therefore she should have this slight advantage. She should shoot from the shorter three-point line just as she's using the smaller ball. But the other announcer and the NBA doesn't want that to happen. They want to make you think that they're actually doing the exact same act. And therefore, they were. if she won, this would have been the story across the world for the next six weeks. She would have had a parade. She would have pushed Taylor Swift off the top of a, a, a chief parade bus and had her own parade. And that's what they're hoping for, right? That's why they give her this advantage. Now, given this is, and another announcer said it, this is the game that they agreed to. But... In this isolated environment, this sort of thing, like they're making it appear as if it's the same as the three-point competition. When it's not, she's getting a smaller ball. So really, they're setting her up for failure. And this is what always happens when this is done for virtue signaling reason. There was a show a couple years ago, and we covered it on this podcast, where they put some obese women on one of these sex island shows. You know, the, the, the shows where a bunch of contestants go to an island and they... They compete for each other's love. They, they have sex, probably. And that's basically the show. It's the reality show. And it was the British one. And they put a couple large women on there. And what ended up happening is the women were picked on and bullied from audiences because they're like, what the hell are they doing here? And one of them actually ended up taking her own life. Sad story, right? Set up by the TV networks. How are they set up by the TV network? Because they put these women on the show and say, you're just as beautiful as these women. Nobody's going to have a problem with this. In fact, you should be celebrated. You're better than these women. And then it all goes wrong. And of course, this sort of thing happens. So when they set this NBA thing up, they want everybody to think that they're doing the exact same act when really they're giving the woman an advantage and saying, look how good she is without any advantage. And then when one announcer tries to say, hey, look, why didn't we just give her the full advantage? They're like, whoa, 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 mister. Let's not be sexist here. They did do the same thing. Okay, we agreed to this. We agreed to not mention it. 
But in reality, giving her the shorter distance would have been the fair thing to do. And maybe she would have done even better. But that's the thing here. They can't deal in reality because in reality, she loses, right? She loses with the advantage of the smaller ball and she will lose even worse, obviously, with the regular sized men's ball. But they can't have you thinking that. They can't have you coming into this thinking that we're giving this woman an advantage. The reason they're giving the woman the advantage is because she needs it. Because it's Steph, MF, and Curry. They want to simultaneously put her on the same level as one of the greatest players of all time. Well, and while simultaneously lying to you about how good she is. They, they have to set them up for failure because their whole house of cards relies on there's no difference between men and women. See this competition? See how close she was? She did just as good as any of the men did with no advantages. And then when it's pointed out that she has an advantage, it's like, whoa, 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 this is sexist. So really, who's the bad guy here? The bad guy is the NBA. They set this girl up for failure by making it look like she doesn't have an advantage. And when, when people have an advantage or see that she has an advantage, now the fodder is, oh, she's not actually as good as we thought. If you just showed this as it was, which was something that was uh, skewed so that she could compete, then we wouldn't have this problem. You would have people saying, well, what's the point? You know, and that's a good point. But what you end up having after is, yeah, she's still not as good. She did good, but she had an advantage. So now what are you going to do? redo it and have her lose worse well you're just setting her up for even worse failure and this is why this sort of stuff has to be eliminated the virtue signaling i mean you have to get over this idea that you that you need to uplift marginalized people women anybody with a different skin color than you you have to get away from this idea that everybody needs your help. The NBA has this idea that everyone needs their help. They need to have messages on the floor. They need to be, um, they had a HBCU classic thing, obviously, because they want to promote black people in a game that's already 60 to 70% black people. You're not allowed to do it the other way around because it, it is weird that you're doing this. But this is what happens when you ha- when you're doing this stuff and it's all to make themselves feel better it's all to shut people up it's all to shut up the players that complain it's all to shut up the people that say the WNBA doesn't get any support even though they don't need no man it's all done as a lie from the outset outset and they're hoping you don't notice the lie and if you do notice it you're mean that's what conclusion we come to here now before we get to the next stories we want to show our Patreon page at patreon.com slash uopod. We are uploading new content every single week. There's the latest interview with Uncle Hack. We had to push it back, but it's been available on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who's on Patreon. There's the latest um, podcast. Bonus podcast comes out every week, usually Friday. Advanced content, and you get exclusive content. There's the Leave Taylor Alone podcast we did with uh, Red Eagle Politics, Vince Dow, John Doyle, and of course we had Anomaly podcasts on here that nobody has seen except for on Patreon. And then more bonus content. And of course, bonus content like this. Trips to Texas, shooting guns, playing baseball, stuff stuff that hardcore fans want to see. But you also get the bonus podcast. So... If you're new to the YouTube channel and you want to check out some of the backlogged content, it's all on there, patreon.com slash uopod. We'll see you there. But until then, please consider subscribing on YouTube and giving us a review on whatever audio platform you're listening to. We also have a correction to make from the other day. We talked about Tomb Raider, the video game, and it has a disclaimer on it where they call themselves racist. The disclaimer was from Crystal Dynamics, as you can see here. Core Design was the company who actually made the original games. So Core Design made the original games, Crystal Dynamics re-released them, and they called the creators of the original game racist and added a disclaimer. In our previous story, we thought that it was Crystal Dynamics the whole time. They were calling themselves racist. So now they're actually just saying... um, you know, this other team was racist, 
and they were disgusting, pathetic, vile racists, and they came out with this game with all this racist themes, but uh, we still would like to make money off of it, so we're not going to out. That's what happened there. That was a message from a viewer. Uh, thank you, guy. I forget your name currently, but thanks for the correction. It's still a ridiculous story. You can check it on the YouTube channel, and we hope that guy uh, uh, signs up for Patreon. Indeed, do. Let's get to our next story, which is also pretty wild. An elderly couple in the UK. Let's read this. It's from Infowars.com, Newswars.com. Uh, and it's a hilarious part of England. I don't know if this is the real <laughs> town. The North Northamptonshire Council sent a, strong, sent a strongly worded letter to Jose and Ted Saunders. Interesting name. In January, claiming their £200,000 home, um, which is about the same U.S., could be subject to the compulsory purchase from the government to be used to house young migrant men. I couldn't believe it, she said. We moved into Rushton to help provide childcare for my granddaughter and found this nice little place to live. So what happened is, is this woman and this man moved into this house not, I think she said, eight months ago, and they receive a letter that says you might have to mandatorily sell your home to make way for migrants. Let's take down to the local council offices here and I spoke to a lady in there. She took photocopies of the letter after I showed her it and was really angry with her. And she said to me, it's nothing to worry about. It's just a standard letter. And I said, I don't think that's a standard letter that you should be sending to any person. Yeah, so describe, so, the, con describe the contents of the letter for us, because it is quite strongly worded, isn't it? And it suggests that your property is empty. Is. And what do they suggest yeah. is, it's going to be used for? They, they say, as part of this process, North Northamptonshire Council is identifying empty properties and sites within the area with the aim of encouraging owners to bring premises back into use or to find alternative options for derelict sites. The resettlement team in North Northamptonshire Council supports asylum seekers and refugees across three different projects, Homes for Ukraine, Afghan resettlement and asylum dispersal. At present, we are seeing a considerable increase in positive immigration decisions being made in favour of asylum seekers. So basically, they, they're wanting accommodation. Okay, this, this, this is insane, right? So what they're saying is, and we'll bring up the letter, that in order to make room for Ukrainians, Afghanis, and anyone else who's an asylum seeker, which of course just means an immigrant who um, got caught crossing the border and is claiming asylum, which we all see in the United States up the U.S.-Mexico border, cross somewhere illegally. If you get detained, then it's probably better at this point to get detained because you just get apprehended, sent somewhere where they'll pay for you and told to come back to a court date, which you more than likely won't show up to. So what's happening in the U.K. now is they're saying we need room for... Afghans, Ukrainians, and asylum seekers, which are illegal immigrants from anywhere. And their justification for reaching out to these people with these homes is, well, you're not using the home anyway, so why don't you just get, why don't we just force you to sell it to us? And I hate to say it, this is literally a piece of communist doctrine. So you'll hear socialists and leftists and communists in the United States and Canada say, what we need to do is seize vacant housing, whether it's a rental property, a vacation pro property, and whatnot, and give it to asylum seekers, give it to the homeless, and that way we have redistributed the wealth that is homes. And that's what they're saying in the UK. That's what this letter said. Let's bring it up. The government has identified empty privately owned properties as a potential cause of blight within communities and as a wasted resource at a high time at a time of high housing need considerable increase in a positive immigration decisions so the first this part they said you're not using your home this is your fault you're wasting your house you need to take your house that's what that says in nice government weird english speak cause of blight i don't know if it's cause of blight a wasted resource you are wasting your own property ma'am 
we would like to take it from you. Then it says the council will seeing a considerable increase in positive immigration uh, decisions being made in favor of asylum seekers, mainly single men, and the authority was struggling to source suitable accommodation for them. It added the ideal long-term solution would be to provide accommodation by using empty properties, which would benefit owners and the project. North Northamptonshire Council is working with owners of long-term empty properties to bring their property back into use. Compulsory disorders are not utilized to oust current owners from their properties. They are a tool used as a very last resort to bring empty properties, which are a valuable and much-needed housing resource, back into use. Do you see how insane that sounds? No, no, we're not, you know, ousting you from your own property. We're using it as a tool to bring empty properties properties back into use it's not you know eminent domain we're just doing it for a good thing what's the word they use for, for the immigration positive immigration decisions we're making the right decisions and those right decisions are bringing in people from other countries even though they've skipped over 55 other countries and came to yours we're making the right decision by bringing them in and we don't want to just take your house we don't want to um oust you from your own domicile what we're doing is actually bringing it back to life we're making it useful again because what you're doing with your private property that's pretty useless and this doesn't set a bad precedent how long can i go with the sarcastic i don't know but it's setting a terrible precedent it's setting the precedent that if the government decides that you are improperly using your own property or own home that you have in this case the word is that they're using bringing it back into use it's bringing empty properties which are a valuable and much needed resource back into use if they have determined that your house is being improperly used and they need to use it for something that they may now do this and they may now force you to sell it what if this is in a time which we are absolutely in right now where your house is probably valued lower than it should be we're coming into that portion right or what if it's on the way up? What if that you're at the bottom of a valley where a housing market that's going up? You're forced to sell your house for $500,000. And then two months later, everything else, else of the same size is $700,000. You see what I mean? How they their determination of forcing you out of your own market can end up with you having a shittier property. Or be having to live in a worse place because you can't afford something now that the prices have increased. Who's to say what a valuable use of a home is what if it's your vacation home what if you live in a terrible climate and you have a grueling job and you want to move into the place yes it's a luxury but the idea that the government gets to determine what is a useful thing to do with your property and say if you don't use it then we're going to force you to sell it to bring in people from another country so they can live in your nice home assumingly it's going to be nice because it's a second home that's insane it's absolutely insane and for and for them to act like, oh, it's it, it's all the worst propaganda. These are these are propaganda pieces written. You've seen good ones. They use a lot, a lot of the good ones for COVID, the good propaganda. But when it's, you know, a small town city council and you've only got Beverly or B, whatever uh, the old English woman's name is writing this, and she says, we're making great decisions and we're not taking away your home. We're bringing it back into use. It's just so insulting that they would write something like this and send it to you. And the old woman was absolutely right that you shouldn't be saying this to anyone. It should be illegal. But in most Western countries, I can't tell you one that doesn't have it. Eminent domain is a thing. Maybe it's something that's worth a discussion of getting rid of. The government saying, hey, we need your property. It's more useful for what we need it to do than what you're using it for. In many cases border patrol this happens all the time and i think it should be outlawed I, th I i don't see a particular you know purpose for which it should be used if you're in the scenario of a world war and you've got an invasion happening i don't think you're going to stop the soldiers from coming on your land they don't need to buy it from you and if you say hey i just want to pr try to protect my own house and you have this death wish then so be it we can't have these precedents being set where the government gets to say what I'm doing this for is right 
because we say it is. You've seen the government. You've seen Justin Trudeau. You've seen Richie Sunak in England. You've seen Joe Biden. These people aren't smarter than you. Kamala Harris is not smarter than you. So we've got to get out of this mentality, which I know people watching this probably don't have. But a lot of people in Western countries, the majority, I would say, have this mentality of person in perceived authority is way better at making decisions than I than I am. It's the the argument they use for gun control, right? I can't be trusted with a firearm. Neither can you. Therefore, only the police can have them. We trust the other guy to be able to do it. Same logic for, you know, getting a degree in something. What if your degree is like in world history? Are you telling me that information is not available online? Only the person who go, who pays $200,000 to go to a school to get this information is able to properly digest it. Same logic here. Only the government can decide what is better use of your empty house. And it's pretty sick. Let's watch a bit more of what these people had to say, shall we? But who goes around and assesses whether these properties are lived in or they are actually empty? She couldn't tell me, the lady in the council. No. Well, I mean, I mean clearly, clearly, Ted, no, no one had bothered to come and look at your house at all, had they? Obviously not. Mm. And then they have the audacity. Mm, indeed. I like, I like the, the British noises. Hmm. To send a letter of some sort of an apology. I am sorry to hear that you were upset by the letter. <laughs> well, how would they feel if they got a letter like that mm. after what? they bought a property? What do you want now? Because clearly you are both very shaken by this letter. Uh, and that that letter that you received in response has not gone far enough. Do you want an apology? What what more do you want to see? Well, she said here that she's you know I sincerely apologise, this Lindsay Bell Chambers. But I don't see there was no explanation as to how they've come to say this property was empty, whether it was disused, whether it was unkempt, or what. If you go back through the history of the property, it's. It's not been empty. <laughs> no, it's very odd. No, it's very What this is, is this is a classic British problem. Dis like, this is a real problem disguised as a pla classic British misunderstanding. Mm, we thought your house was vacant. Actually, it's not vacant. We've been here for quite some time. Well, we better issue you a letter apologizing now, shouldn't we? Well, how would you feel if somebody issued you this letter? It's turning into Ozzy Osbourne. How would you feel if somebody issued you this letter, Sharon? Um, but that's what it's disguised as. What it actually is is government tyranny and overreach. So they're saying, hey, sorry that we thought your house was empty and we were going to give it to illegal immigrants. I guess that can't happen now that you're actually using the house and you just bought it. Maybe they bought it from somebody else. Last story here, and it's a dis truly disturbing one. It is, and I thought this was fake when I saw it. I saw this on Twitter slash X and I thought that this was had to be overblown. I think maybe what I saw is 180,000. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think somebody said that 180,000 students need to get updated COVID vaccines. And we'll have to be very careful. Let's while we're looking, actually, let's go ahead and do a monetization check on YouTube. Have we been demonetized? Looking? Yes, we have. YouTube demonetization. So thank you to everybody who is watching. Don't forget to go to Patreon. Don't forget to that we're available on Rumble as well. But if you're on the new podcast page, please like and share because everything's getting demonetized, you know, usually as we speak. But this is news out of Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. 18,000 suspensions are on the books here for elementary school students over their vaccination records. Now, you're going to see this floating around as I saw it floating around. And people are going to be... Um, presenting it as if it's students being forced to get COVID vaccines and boosters and that's how it's going to be framed as if they don't get up-to-date boosters which would probably be like six or seven now that they're going to be suspended that's not what it actually is so make sure when you even when you're following people you trust if if it's just a screenshot of a headline you check the date of when it was, first of all, and you got to make sure it's actually like if they're 
that those alarm bells should start ringing as soon as it's too crazy to be true. Because a lot of time with these freedom-based accounts, and I know we love them, and I know we agree with most things, but a lot of the times they want something like this to be more true. Uh, is. But I could be wrong. Let's read on. Region of Waterloo Public Health has issued suspension orders to 18,643 elementary school students not updated their vaccination records. And this is from CBC News, the nation's state broadcaster. Families have six weeks to update vaccination records, obtain the necessary vaccines, or apply for an exemption before March 27. Secondary students may face suspension starting May 1st. Public Health says that during COVID-19, there is a decline in vaccine coverage rates in school-aged children, including for routine shots for measles, mumps, nubella, diphtheria, tetanus, polio, meningitis, meningococcal, pertussis, whooping cough, and varicella, chickenpox. This is always good when it's a, a foreign doctor saying this. Dr. Sui Li Wang, the region's medical officer of health, said vaccines are necessary to stop the spread of serious and preventable disease. Children who are not vaccinated are at an increased risk of getting infections and spreading disease to others, blah, 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 what Wang said in a release. In December, public health said about 22,000 elementary students and 10,000 secondary students did not have up-to-date records. Public health ran catch-up clinics to help families get the vaccine to update their records. In some cases, the students have the vaccines and just need to update their records. All elementary and secondary school students are to provide proof of vaccination under the immunization, blah, blah, blah. Now, does this mean that they need to get COVID vaccines? It could be, but what we're learning here is that there's a decline in people getting vaccines during lockdowns. And, you know, that's a relatively small amount. So I'm guessing it's just people not updating the records. For there to be 18,000 suspend- suspendable students in one school region in Ontario, um, it seems a little high because Canada had a vaccination rate for two doses, the full dose of over 90%, right? Insane numbers, insane compliance. What we're seeing is, according to this article, is that people either weren't updating their children's vaccine records or... They were refusing to get them. Now, what I think happened here is during these lockdowns, people didn't realize that they had so many vaccines that they had to get, right? You're so focused on the COVID ones. Obviously, you're not thinking about mumps, measles, and what's it. But for them to say, hey, 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 you guys are not staying up to date on all your other vaccines. I think people are starting about how many vaccines they're actually getting. And we're not saying anything about their effectiveness, YouTube, which is as sure as the 2020 election. But I think that's what more likely that happened. People were not updating their vaccine records for their children because, you know, you can't go to a grocery store without wearing a burqa. So why would you be worrying about this stuff? But at the same time, I think that people started to realize how many vaccines they're mandated to take. And I think this was a bad decision. Dr. Wang person to come in and use the exact same terminology that was used to push COVID stuff. We'll look at it. The vaccines that they want children to take are mumps, measles, rubella, diphtheria, tetanus, polio, meningococcal, pertussis, varicella. That's insane that a vaccine is required now. Didn't have one when I was a kid. You just got chicken pox. But now that this is required? As if the teachers actually care if students are too sick to come to school. Of course teachers care. Teachers love working at all times. They never fight about having more vacation times or anything. I'm just saying, are the kids going to get polio? Are they going to get theria, which is from poo? Are they going to get measles and mumps? How often do you have to get these things? I don't know. But I think realize how many vaccines their kids actually, and I think you're going to see more hesitancy from parents, especially when they use the exact same, not just sort of listen to this, verbiage they're using. Dr. Wang, the region's medical officer of health, said vaccines are necessary to stop the stop the spread of serious and preventable diseases. It all works. Children who are not vaccinated are at an increased risk of getting infections and spreading disease to others. The enforcement of the immunization is critical for ensuring the health and well-being of our community. Wear 
have you heard that before? Can we can we plug in a couple words here, and I'll remind you. Vaccines are necessary to stop the spread of serious and preventable preventable disease. Children who are not vaccinated against COVID are at increased risks of getting infections and spreading COVID to others. It's critical for ensuring the health and well-being of our community. Same words. They pumped out the same same stuff. We know what happened with that. I'm not allowed to say on YouTube. I'm not allowed to say that this stuff that certain thing. I'm not allowed to say that Jello pudding doesn't work on YouTube. Jello pudding didn't work as, as Bill Cosby described it and Ray Charles described it in the 80s. Jello pudding. <laughs> Imagine just clipping this out and being like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But Jello pudding didn't prevent the spread of more pudding. And they told you at the time that children who did not have Jello pudding injected into them <laughs> were at increased risk of spreading more pudding. That's what they told you. They it would do them a little bit better to not copy and paste the same things because I don't know if this is, if it's all necessary. This is one thing where I can't just be like I know that they're lying for sure. It's very easy to for me to tell you that about basketball. It's easy for me to tell you that about you know um, things in political bills but there are things that even i don't know and that's how often do you need a tetanus shot i don't know i thought you get that when you think you might have contracted tetanus i don't know if you need a chicken pox vaccine this might this whole channel could be taken down because i don't know that um how often do you come across whooping cough or diphtheria i don't know i just don't know but when you use the same language that they used for your well-being stop the spread increased risk you're spread this is serious you're gonna lose people you're losing me i would have never have questioned this stuff in a million years until they started for once they start forcing it your alarm bells start going once they start forcing you to sell your home for migrants once they start saying we're gonna suspend your kid for the chicken pox once they start saying, hey, we need this dance crew. <laughs> the police need this dance crew. Don't you take this away from us. This is when you need to start asking questions. The three-point line stuff with the basketball, it's not as imperative. Um, but this is when the questions are going to start happening. And with, for 18,000 students to be not up to date, I think there's going to be at least a couple thousand here where parents are going to be like, huh, maybe this isn't what's right for me. Maybe we need to think about private school or homeschooling, whichever one works for us. You know what I'm saying? I did a story last week about a woman um, who was, a, 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 I think it was a fifth grade teacher, was teaching her kids about money, teaching her students about money. She would, you know, award them fake money for doing, you know, uh, cleanups and being the line leaders and helping out the teacher, give them money, and then she would charge them rent when the fictional money for, for seats and for their desks. And they wanted to save up their money to get certain privileges. And I was like, hey, that's something that is very useful in school. That's something my kids should be learning. Of course, she added a thing about racialized students and black and brown students in the end. But we ignore that for the time being. But that's something your kids should be learning about. And then when you juxtapose it with this and it's like, hey, your kid's going to be suspended if you don't get him a chicken pox vaccine. Very confusing to somebody under, you know, or sorry, over the age of 20 to hear about that. I got chicken pox in like 11th grade on spring break. I was like, hey, week off school. Oh, what are these scaly things on me? It sucked. But these are the things that are going to push people in a new generation with kids in a different direction. Hey, one school is teaching my kids about financial literacy and another school is teaching my kid if you don't obey to every single thing we say, then we're kicking you out. Maybe it's time to start looking at um, private schools or home schools, maybe a community school, maybe a church school, whatever you have it, maybe a flat earther school. Patreon.com slash UOPod. I thank you guys for sticking with me. Probably going to try and go out and do some uh, more footage in the streets this week. But as of right now, we've got so much bonus content on Patreon.com slash UOPod. New subscribers to the YouTube channel. We thank you. We welcome you. We're always going to try to keep up with more video game stuff, more sports stuff. We had some good sports stuff here today. Mixed in with the politics. We call it infotainment. If you're listening on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Give us a review. Share this with somebody. Share a nice clip you have uh, from this podcast with somebody. Videos on the podcast channel. We clip them up every single week. Share a video with somebody and say, hey, this was interesting. He actually said something that I was thinking. It will go a long way. But of course, the Patreon actually supports this podcast directly monetarily we love it so do super chats thank you guys for watching um tell me what you think about the topics we cover tell me what you think about the base or the basketball competition tell me what you think about some of these vaccines i don't know i'm only an expert in so many things guys we'll catch you guys in the middle of the week turn it up jordan